Morning, church. Man, if you don't, you're good if you don't, uh, you don't tear up on that, man. I'm like, over here. <laughs> you know. Um, man, it's just, it's heavy right now. You know, I, I, I love what, uh, I love what she shared in that, in that video about um, the fact that when, 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 when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into your heart, that you can love without boundaries anybody, uh, don't matter race, don't matter color, don't matter uh, you know what side of the, the the continent or the world you live on. And uh, can somebody get the lights, please? And by the same difference, you know, it's all about uh, how you use uh, what God gives you, right? Because we see this the very opposite that that we can use that energy in a destructive way. You see it going on a lot in the world today and what's going on. It's always going on. But a uh, real quick plug just for Operation Christmas Child. Um, I will. I do have a, a sample box up here if you guys are interested in checking it out later. Again, Veronica touched on it last week, all the things that can go in it and can't go in it. You, you can also ask a lot of the veterans here that have been doing it for years. Uh, there are also some worksheets uh, or diddles paper out in the foyer that tell you exactly um, what, what would be needed for that. And I just encourage you, uh, if you've never done it before, man, get get on it. It's it's super important and uh, it's a big deal. You're, you're going to bless somebody and you're going to be better for it uh, with the Lord. You're going to have a better peace about yourself. You're going to have a better understanding of what it means to to share the love of Christ to those around you. And, and it'll bring your family together, too. It'd be a, a healthy, good tradition that you can start. Maybe you've done it for years. I encourage you to keep doing it and, and look forward to those times. Because uh, as we see, you know, the reality church is it's going to get bleaker and bleaker before it gets better. That's just the truth. You know, that's not I'm not up here to say that to, to scare you, but if, if you understand biblical prophecy and you understand the things that are going on in the Middle East right now, if you understand the things that are going on with basically all these Arab nations that are converging upon Israel right now, uh, it's it's uh, these are these are wild times. Uh, the, op- the, the, the opposite side of that is there's no better time to be alive. There's no better time to be a Christian. There's no better time to be plugged in to the body of Christ. We got to understand, church, that, 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 that you and I are, are, are infinite beings. And that's kind of what we're going to touch on today in the message. But um, it's very interesting that when, when you look at the word of God, when you look at who Jesus Christ is, the word of God is, is going to force you and I to make a decision. Have you, have you experienced that? The word of God forces you, puts you in a position where you have to either acknowledge who Christ is. And, and, I, and, and I mean, it goes far beyond just a just a, oh, yes, I believe that he is God and he died on the cross. But but it's like, no, like, is he the Lord of your life? Do you live every day submitted to his authority and ruin reign in your life? See, if you do, it's going to force you in a sense We know we have free will, but it's going to force you in a sense through conviction to cause you to repent. It's going to cause you to look at your life and you're going to bend your knee to Christ. 
If you do not, what it's going to do is the word of God is going to stiffen your neck and you're going to dig your heels in the ground and you're going to dig in deeper in your pride and say no. But either way, the word of God forces you to make a decision. You cannot be idle about who Christ is. Amen. Amen. My prayer today is that the word of God would literally change our hearts today. That your heart would be radically transformed this morning. That my heart would be radically transformed by the reading of God's word. You know, things are heavy. Things are, are you know, I, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and, and I, don't, I don't get my news from ABC, NBC, Fox, CNN. I don't. I get my news from other sources, you know, trusted, uh, trusted people that I know that are on the ground floor with things going on. And, 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 and some of the things that, that I witnessed with my own eyes last night and I saw and heard with my own ears, I mean, it brought me to tears, the things that are going on over there in the Middle East with, with Hamas and what they're doing to the people of Israel and, and just understanding just the, the infrastructure of what this, this regime, uh, this terrorist group actually has. They, they, I mean, they have a, 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 a conclave or a labyrinth of all these elaborate tunnels going on all throughout that area and that's why Israel literally has to bomb every other building because they've they they have basically they've thrown out the Geneva Convention they're using the the poor people there the citizens there as body shields and they're hiding behind them they don't care if they die you know they're bit on destroying them we know that the the Bible says Israel is not going to be wiped out but all these Arab nations Hezbollah all all these different countries right there I mean it's nothing new but but it it, 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 it it weighed so heavy on my heart. It's like I, I had to get up out of bed and I had to go talk to my wife. And I said, you know what? We need to pray. I said, maybe you're maybe you're, you know, stronger than me right now in this whole situation. But I said, I just felt the Lord led me to get up out of bed and come to you. And we need to pray and we need to lift up just this situation and people in general. And my wife said something profound to me. She said that the Lord is showing her. A lot of people do know Christ as far as they believe in him. But again, the question is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he Lord? Are we walking in obedience more than disobedience every day of our lives? Is he the number one facto in your thoughts throughout the day? Or is it something else or is it other people? You see, time is short, church, and, and, and we need to be really on the front lines as the church, as the saints of God, to be involved in what's going on. Now, we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's like, are we praying all the time? Are we constantly interceding for those around us? Are we interceding for the things going on in the Middle East? There, there's so much to be done, and there's so little time. So I encourage you. Allow the Lord to work in and through your life and, and make him the number one priority of your life. Amen? Amen. Those who have an ear, let him or her hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. This morning, um, we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We'll be going through a few verses, 8 down through 12 this morning. And uh, again, you know, it's just a thing where it's like, I'm just 
I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing better than God. I mean, I saw, I think that song summed it up. There's nothing is better than him, you know? And, and I'm, I'm so blessed and privileged to be able to, to study God's word, uh, and to preach and teach it. And I'm very excited for the message this morning. I know that it's going to have great impact in, in, in your lives this morning. So, uh, fasten up because we're going to get into it. This message is entitled "The Vanity of Wealth and Honor." This is a this is a, uh, a several part series, or at least a two part series. This is part one this morning. Once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter five. Uh, we're starting in verse eight. We'll go down through twelve. Uh, so, when you get there, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read uh, our text this morning. We'll pray, and then we'll get into the meat of the message. So, starting in verse eight, it says. If you see a province, the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. Verse 10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth With his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eats them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Verse 12 Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, Lord, we just thank you for. Your presence in our lives. Thank you that you have allowed us to have breath in our lungs this day and that you've woken us from our sleep. Thank you that you have drawn us to your house. Lord, this is so important. And we living in a day and age where uh, people dismiss uh, honoring you. And people say, oh, I could just have relationship with God on my own and I don't have to fellowship with the saints and I don't have to come under authority. That's not biblical. And so I thank you that you have given us the truth and that we've responded. We, everyone in this room finds it important to be here. Lord, I pray that you would have a word for your people today. I pray that it wouldn't just be another Sunday. I pray that it wouldn't be mundane. I pray that whatever other distractions are going on, that you would eradicate them out of our minds and our hearts and our minds and the eyes of our hearts will be fixed on you. And we would be looking to see what you have to say to us, that we would have hearts of, 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 of sacrifice to you, of, of praise and worship, Lord. May we consecrate our lives to you. May it be the desire of our hearts that we want to be set apart for you and you alone. Father, may you receive all honor, glory, and love for you. You're the only one worthy to receive it. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So last week, we looked at the importance of keeping our vows before God. Again, we looked at this that Until we come to terms and recognize in our heart of hearts, in our innermost being, that sin is an offense to God. Like, it's not just some little thing that you just brush off. Like, no, it's a big deal. Like, God's heart is grieved and he's not happy with it. The fact that people will say, oh, God's all love. Yeah, he's also also jealous and he also has wrath. He's also a wrathful God, like, in the sense that he has to be holy. He's set apart. He can't even look upon sin. So when we sin, 
The good thing is he gave his son Jesus Christ so then you, you, you have the imputed righteousness of Christ. So he sees Christ's righteousness, not you. He sees his blood and you're able to be forgiven. I'm able to be forgiven. But it should grieve our hearts. We shouldn't sin and just roll off our backs and we're just like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, no, nah, homie, it's a big deal. Like, it should be a big deal. We, we learned about that. And that, has, that, that, goes, that goes part and parcel with, with keeping your vows, with me keeping my vows before God. That, that breaking any kind of vow we make before God is, an, is a serious offense to him. It's so serious that it would be better if we would have never even made the vow in the first place. You're better off not even making a promise to God rather than make a promise to God and break it. That's how serious it is. The bottom line is this, church. Don't play games with God. Don't play games. Like, I'm not being legalistic. I'm being dead serious. Don't play games with God. We looked at that last week with Ananias and Sapphira. They could have kept 80% and just been real and said, I, I, I kept 80% of the money. I'm giving the church 20, whatever. The fact that they lied about it, they both dropped dead right there before the apostle Peter because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we never experience something like that. Maybe you've experienced some kind of uh, chastisement because you were playing games with God. And he said, no, man. Don't mess around. I've experienced things like that in that nature. He will discipline those he loves. The pain hurts in the moment, but joy comes in the morning because you're going you're gonna, to you know, benefit tenfold. But, but don't play games with God, church. Be about your word. If you say you're going to do something, do something. Or don't vow at all. Remember in Revelation chapter 3, verses 13 and 15, those who live a lifestyle professing Jesus Christ as their Savior, they say, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Yes, he's my Savior. But they're lukewarm. What, is, what does that word say? He's going to vomit them out of his mouth. That's how he looks at it. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle. Don't be saying you're down for me, but you're over here dabbling in other stuff. You're better off just going that way and going full blown into it. Get it right. Get it together. Get in gear, as it was told this morning in prayer. Get in gear and let's go. I mean, there's really no excuse. We have every we have the Holy Spirit. So there, 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 there's nothing that can stand in our way. Our perception and our perspective greatly needs to change. If you're in here this morning and you feel like a victim, your perspective is wrong. You're not a victim. You have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of your inner being. You have all power and authority in Christ to conquer whatever situation you're coming against. You may not walk on water like Peter, but you can walk above your circumstances. You got to have that fire in you, church. You, you got to have that, that knowledge and that understanding that, that that's who I am. Stop listening to the lies of Satan. Stop listening to the lies of these demons that are telling you the wrong thing. They're not telling you the truth about who you are. Look at God's word. Look at what the word says you are. It's who you are in Christ that makes all the difference. Amen. Amen. We also learn that we as believers in Christ Jesus must guard our hearts. That means our innermost being. We have to every day. We have to guard our hearts. You do this by, by, by filtering out what you listen to and what you watch. You cannot drink the cup of God and the cup of demons. You cannot play it both ways. What fellowship does light have with dark? I'm not saying that you can't have friends that are Christians. 
But I'm going to tell you this right now, church. If you are not influencing those who are unsaved and the unsaved are influencing you more, you have a serious problem on your hands and you better get it right. right. You are supposed to make disciples. The world should not be influencing you. You should be able to stand your ground in love and not be moved by what other people who are unsaved are trying to tell you. Guard your heart. Guard what you watch. Guard what you hear. It's so important for your spiritual development, for you to mature, for you to grow in discernment, for you to grow and become who the Lord has calling you to be, church. This is an urgent call because I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. If you're not maturing, that's a problem. You need to grow. I need to grow. And this is something that we must take serious. Look at the landscape around us. This world is getting worse and worse by the day. But we are called to be the salt and the light of the earth. So we should be shining brighter and brighter as this world gets darker and darker. Revelation chapter 16 talks about a deceptive demonic spirit that is coming upon, that has come upon the kings of this world and the kingdoms of this world. Church, don't allow yourself to be deceived. You see, in America, it's so easy for us to be deceived with hobbies, with trinkets, with this and that, with this show, that show, all these different things. And I'm not saying don't watch shows. Make sure you're not watching something that you shouldn't be. I'm not saying don't have hobbies. I got hobbies. But what is on the forefront of our minds? I mean, I was watching college, fo- college football yesterday afternoon. My, my, both of my kids are six. So I stayed home. My son didn't go to his baseball game. I'm, I'm watching college football. I like football. I enjoy it. And, you know, in the middle of one of the games, I just had to urge, I need to hear a message. <laughs> so I went on one, I went on, uh, one place, and, and, and I love listening to Michael Youssef. Uh, he, he's a great pastor out, out there in Atlanta. And, 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 I, and I heard a message. I listened to a message because I was like, what am I doing devoting all my time to this football game? Yeah, it's cool. I, I like college football. I enjoy it. But, you know, again, that, that was showing me what's in my heart. <laughs> my heart is I want to be devoted to you, Christ. I want to be devoted to you, Lord. It's not just about all these extra things. It's about, man, I need to be centered and focused and honed in on God throughout the day. Do you talk to God throughout the day? Do you hear God talk to you throughout the day? That's a good thing. Grow in that. Hold on to that. Because there's so many people that they don't even hear from God at all. Because they're so diluted with the things of this world that they can't figure out what's, who's saying what to them. And you don't want to be in that place, church. Lastly, we learned that having a healthy, holy fear of God alone is vital to the spiritual health of every Christian. Like I said, there's things that are going on in this world right now that are, it's just, I didn't even think I would ever live to see this stuff. It's, it's just, it's chaos. It's, it's out of control as far as humans go. But remember, the Bible says, fear him who can send your soul to hell. Not the one who can merely take your life by being aggressive and using some kind of weapon to hurt you, right? So have a healthy, holy fear of God, and you'll have all the wisdom you'll ever need for every situation you'll ever face. We have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. Every elected official answers to another higher than themselves, and ultimately to God for how they lead 
and how they care for the people under them. Every elected official, there's a hierarchy, but ultimately everyone in authority, they all answer to God. It may not seem like it in this life, but they will all answer to God. For every person in authority, they are placed there by God, whether they believe it or not. They didn't get there because of their hard work. They didn't get there because of their good looks. They got there because the Lord saw it fit to place that individual in that position of authority. So when you look at our president, when you look at our vice president, when you look at the secretary of state, when you look at all these people, they are placed there specifically by the Lord. It doesn't matter about no ballot. It doesn't matter about what covert things were done or were not done. The Lord allowed it to be so. He is in control. Amen. Amen. This is a sobering reminder. On every level from government down to managers in stores to general managers down to the family unit, those who are put in authority must be accountable. Ultimately, every individual is accountable to the Lord for what they did with the talents and gifts and time that he has given them in this life. Do you, do you recognize that, church, that you're going to be accountable for the time, the gifts, and the talents that God has given you? You're going to be accountable for that. He's going to ask you, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your life? What did you do with your gift? Everybody in this room has a unique, special gift from God. You don't have to be standing behind this pulpit to be used in an effective manner for God's kingdom. Please don't think that way. If you think that way, get it out of your mind right now. Because everybody has a value to God, especially those that are in the body of Christ. And we are the body and we must work together to take our instruction from the head who is Christ. And that's the only way we're going to be effective. But you count You see, many of us have not been told we matter. Many of us have not been told somebody needs you. Know that today, church. Somebody in this world needs you to be the best Christian you can possibly be. You see, to not assume responsibility reveals that that individual was not fit for the position in the first place. A lot of people want power. A lot of people want authority. A lot of people that want power and authority don't want to be accountable to that power and authority. That is not biblical and that is a recipe for disaster. Specifically, this text is speaking about government officials or bureaucracies. Why would having layers of authority lead to injustice? It's because at every level of authority, There is an opportunity for corruption to occur. While in theory, each layer ought to provide accountability, often those within the governing bureaucracy have more to gain by protecting their own fellow chummies, their own government officials, than to stand out and call sin what it is. We see it in our own government. It's a bold thing to be in the government of the United States and call out sin for sin. Many times they just want to brush it under the rug and they don't want to say it. You see, what do we talk about today? Oh, you got to be politically correct. I'm going to tell you right now, as a Christian, you can never be politically correct because Jesus Christ was never politically correct. He was politically incorrect. So as a Christian, you're never going to be politically correct. Don't don't fall into that game. And oh, I got to hush, hush. Now, obviously, be led by the Holy Spirit. 
But if you got to stand on truth and you got to stand on truth, you got to stand on it. Even if it costs you friends, even if it costs you your reputation, what's more important, your reputation amongst men or your reputation with God and how he views you? So don't fall into that trap, church. Multi-level governments also tend to favor those with the resources to hire experts to help them navigate the government. Basically, they, 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 they hire from within. It's an it's a old adage. They, they keep it in, in-house because that's the way they can kind of insulate everything and keep everything flowing the way it's been flowing. That basically means the wealth get more wealthy and they get justice and the poor just get out of luck. The poor don't get much at all. They get oppressed. They get oppression. You see, the governments that act like this become their own ecosystem with the focus on caring for those within the government, not necessarily caring for those who they're called to care for, which is the common person. Self-preservation is the biggest thing for them. Though we have our own fair share of problems in this country, there will never be another government in this world like the United States of America. There will never be another country like the United States of America for what it once was. And as Michelle alluded to earlier, this land can be healed. This land can be healed. But it starts with you and it starts with me because we have a part to play in it as well. And it goes back to obedience. Are we taking our cues from the Lord? Are we taking our cues from Father God? Or are we kind of giving him what we want and telling him to bless it? You see, that's been a hard pill for me to swallow, but I'm getting better at it and I'm grateful for that. I need to walk in what he wants, not what I want. And you'll be happier and you'll be filled with more joy and you'll have real purpose in your life when you do what he calls you to do, not necessarily what you think you want to do. Again, there's no way to be politically correct. Jesus Christ was countercultural. And, and when you look at the lives of true believers today, we are countercultural. We are not like the rest of society in that sense. We are not, we are like salmon swimming upstream. But the Holy Spirit will give you the power and the ability to swim against the current and be able to thrive despite all those going the wrong way. The Bible is clear about it. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and there are few that find it. If you are saved today, you are one of the few that have found it. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. Do you understand all this All this ceasefire marching and nonsense? These people don't understand what they're fighting for. There was a ceasefire on January 6th, and the, 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 the evil people broke it. That's what happened. And now they want another ceasefire. Why? So they can re-up and do it again? They want to annihilate Israel. And I'm not making it. Not, this is not political. This is just what it is. This is the truth of the matter. We cannot act like we, this is not going on. I mean, they shut down the Brooklyn Bridge a couple weekends ago. I mean, thousands of people out in the streets. I mean, and the anti-Semitism is going crazy. They're trying to hurt all these people. Why? Because they're mad. Because they're mad. I don't believe anybody innocent should die. But the reality is when you have evil people with evil means, they don't care. And people will die. Innocent people will die. And it's unfortunate. So, uh, you know, we obviously need to pray for the Palestinian people, too. 
Anybody that's looking to get saved, we pray that salvation would come to them and they would repent, get right before they die. I don't care what culture, color, creed you are, but the reality is don't be afraid to stand with Israel. Don't allow the culture to silence you on the matter and act as if it's not important. It's very important. If you bless Israel, you will be blessed. If you curse Israel, you will be cursed. It's biblical. It's in the word of God. Again, going back to what I was talking to earlier, but it is God alone who places people in positions of authority so that they may be humbled and honor God in how they wield their influence. Psalm chapter 2, verse uh, 10 and 11 tells us, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's, I mean, it doesn't say it any clearer than that. That's a warning to anyone in authority. The second main point is this. The love of money will never satisfy one's innermost desires. And I know that it seems as if there's repetition here because we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. But you know what? I mean, the Holy Spirit has ingrained this in me that it's like, I think I know something. He's like, no, you don't. Stop. That's why the portions of scripture I typically teach on are, 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 are small because he's like, stop going. What are you doing? Trying to go forward. Like, you don't understand that. Stay here. And, and that's what this point is. You may have heard it many times. It still remains. The love of money will never satisfy one's innermost desires. Verse 10 in our, in our portion of scripture this morning states, He who loves money will not be satisfied with it. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, And shall... And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, church, we are to love people, not money. The love of money will never produce the kind of joy we think it will. Chasing after wealth is one of the greatest dreams that people, many people have. <laughs> many people want to get as rich as possible, as quick as possible. <laughs> can, can I get rich and can I get rich quick? Think about it. Gambling and lotteries are billion-dollar industries because people want money and they think that they can get it. So they're going to gamble and they're going to play the lotto. Many people working always want a higher paycheck. Like, I need to get paid. I need a raise. <laughs> More money per hour. <laughs> and then... Other people often view how other people are getting paid and they get jealous and they think, well, I should be getting paid the same rate, if not more. Not content. You see, Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. And he realized that loving money was meaningless. One can never have too much or even enough. He always wants more. J.D. Rockefeller said it. So he was interviewed. How much is enough? Bro, you're, you got a lot of money, bro. You got generational wealth. What did he say? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Man, bro, just a little bit more. You got enough for, you got enough for your great-grandkids, but just a little bit more. All right. Money and wealth are things that are very temporary. You see, you can have a lot of money today, but tomorrow, after disaster strikes, be completely broke. An example of this, I'm sure many of you are, 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 are uh, you know, uh, aware of the headlines. Uh, in this week, uh, one article came out. The, the World Bank stated, 
Oil prices could be pushed into uncharted waters if violence between Israel and Hamas widens, which could result in increase of food prices worldwide. And the amount of, of gallons, uh, 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 barrels of oil that are, that are going out, it, it's been cut. It's been cut to more than, than half. And so what that means is they're estimating prices of gas are going $10 a gallon. And not only $10 a gallon, but your food that you buy. It's like the Bible says, a bag of gold to buy a loaf of bread. We're heading in that direction, church. Obviously, it's going to hit those underdeveloped countries more first. But we were talking about it Thursday night, the men's group, something about, uh, you know, Subway wanting to want you to tip now, you know, and, and increase in prices when you go out to eat. I mean, it's it's going to I'm not I'm not saying this to scare you. Because perfect love casts out all fear. You should not be afraid of this. You should be aware of what's going on. And that's why you've got to get grounded in the word so that you know that Christ is your source and provider, not the U.S. government treasury to try to give you money. Because we're just printing. We're just printing, printing, printing. And, and, and where is it coming from? You know, I mean, the, the, the dollar is losing its value more and more each and every day. I don't want that to happen, but that's just the reality of it. You know, so, so we have to be aware of what's going on, church. But the World Bank stated this in, a, in an article this week. And so we know that the war is going to widen because the other Arab nations are getting involved. So that means oil prices are going to drop more, which is it's going to cost us more money to drive and it's going to affect the food. But you see, the believer, on the other hand, should put all of his or her desires into God and his kingdom. That's where your desires should be. That's where the desire of your heart should be. Not to live your best life now on this earth. Not to, not to try to conserve and save your life now on this earth. But understand that you're a soul passing through here. And that eventually this shell of who you are outside of you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. And the, you're, the, who you really are is going to come out when you leave this earth. But for now, until then, you need to be about your father's business. Amen. Amen. You see, the souls of people are eternal. Living for God and building his kingdom is what is gives satisfaction and eternal results. That's what's going to fulfill you. Like packing that shoebox, that's going to fulfill you way more than going to spend a whole bunch of money on yourself. Because you're blessing someone else. You see, fighting for money and wealth only lasts a short time. We must put our trust in God and be content with what he has blessed us with. God will give each person what they need. Amen. The third main point is this. An honest worker will have rest for his or her soul, while the wealthy many times will lack peace. They won't have sleep. The working person has a pleasant sleep, whether he eats little or eats much. A rich person has plenty, but is unable to sleep. The rich person might look at his or her wealth and be consumed by, by everything that they have. Spending money to produce happiness will not produce happiness. You'll just slowly lose wealth. That's what happens. I mean, have you tried it? I know I've tried it. That's how I used to live. I was always chasing after money. I was always, ch- I, you know, the cars had to have rims on it and all these different things and, and you know, looked the part. But it's like I was empty, chasing after nothing. Solomon had said before that there is nothing better than for a man to enjoy his work. You see, the person who serves sleeps pleasantly, while whether he eats little or much. Service 
and enjoying the work God has given us leads to contentment. On the other hand, indulgence leads to misery. The full stomach of the rich person does not allow them to sleep. This picture might be that the rich man gorges himself with luxuries and the rich food upsets his stomach and robs him of sleep. Or it is because he or she is so anxious and worried about losing their wealth that they lose sleep from anxiety, plotting to gain more. Either way, money lovers pierce themselves with many griefs. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 tells us, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You don't want to be like that, church. You don't want to be struggling because you're seeking after fulfillment from money. Money will never fulfill your soul. All right, let's go ahead and look at verses 8 and 9 a little closer. I'll read them again just for context sake. And it says, in starting in verse 8, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher. And there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. Okay, so we see this first part right here. If you see the oppression of the poor, he says, don't marvel at the matter. Don't, don't, be, don't be blown away. You know how many times the Lord has to correct me when I see what's going on? And he's like, why are you surprised? <laughs> Did I not tell you that these things were going to transpire? It's all in the word. It's all prophesied. So many prophecies have already been fulfilled and more prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled are being fulfilled as we speak right this minute. There is much oppression and perversion of justice. It should not surprise any of us that this occurs. Because when you get to the root of the problem, it's simply there is sin in people's hearts. And sin left unchecked is going to produce misery and death. So that's what we see. Misery and death being played out in the lives of people who do not want to submit themselves under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so they run around doing things that are ungodly and unthinkable. It's horrible what they do. We know this because God is the one who instituted the structure of leadership within a community for the good of all people. God is the one who instituted people to come under authority. He's the one who instituted it. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 tells us, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You see, it's God who orchestrated that. He allowed kings to be kings with a, with a lowercase k to, 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 to under shepherd, if you will, the people. He did that for a reason. First Timothy chapter two, verse two says for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You see, that's why people in authority are put there. People in authority are put there so that the general public would be able to live a peaceful, quiet life in a dignified manner, not to be abused by the one who's in authority. But you see, it is the misuse of authority given to be a blessing to people many times that is used to oppress those. This is exactly what our text is talking about here this morning. We see this thing too many times today. You see, I'll be the first one to tell you, 
I am so not against defunding the police. We need police officers of the land to keep civil order. We need them. We also need godly officers because many times, unfortunately, this power gets abused. A couple examples. Just yesterday, this came out. I was was reading my feed in the afternoon and a San Jose police officer is no longer employed with the police department after sending a series of racially biased, disgusting messages, according to a news release from San Jose police chief Anthony Mata. Uh, One of the texts went on to say, I hate black people. One of the messages read, which were discovered during an unrelated investigation of a shooting of a 20-year-old college student, went on to say that there is nothing more sickening than a person in power abusing their position. This is coming, this is quoted from San Jose Mayor, Mayor Matt Mahan. He said this in a release. He said, assuming that all these allegations are upheld, this individual should face the full consequences of his actions, he added. And then also, just six days ago, A police officer received 13 life sentences for grooming over 200 minors. 24-year-old Lewis Edwards posed as a teenage boy on Snapchat while he courted 210 girls to send him sexually explicit images of themselves. Edwards was arrested with 4,500 indecent pictures of of children ages 10 to 16. He admitted to 160 counts of child sexual abuse and blackmail. Now, I totally understand that this is not every police officer. These are merely real life examples of what God's word reveals. This is authority abused. There will be some in positions of authority who oppress the poor, abuse their power and violate justice. He goes on to say for high officials Watch over higher, uh, watches over high officials and higher officials over them. You see, Solomon was especially aware of how bureaucracies can bring oppression. In his own day, he saw his fair share of this kind of abuse. Many times when individuals are placed in positions of authority, these communities become clicky, right? When, when you're not thought of as the general public and you're like in this kind of like secret group, not a secret group, but it's like you're in a, you know, you're in a closed community, you know, because you're an official, you're an elected official. You are given privileges that many people will never see. And the reality is it's at this specific time that the person in authority must ask themselves, will they live a life of integrity behind closed doors or will they work to satisfy their desires at the expense of others? And even if you're, you're, in the, you're not in the public eye, we have to ask ourselves the same question. Will we abuse the authority we've been given or will we walk with integrity before the Lord, especially when no one is looking? Next, we see this statement. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. Even with a complex and corrupt government, everyone depends on what comes from the farmer's field. Even the king. That's what we're seeing here in this statement. Solomon seems to delight in, in, in these ironies of life. The application is this. This is another reason why it is in everyone's best interest to love their neighbor as themselves. Without the field, those in authority cannot have supplies for their own homes. God is in his perfect wisdom. He joins the head and feet together. The poor are protected by the king as 
executor of the laws, the king himself is dependent on the poor as the wealthy of the nation is the fruit of the labor's hard work. We all have a part to play. If you don't have the common person, who's going to do all the menial work? Who's going to work at Safeway? Who's going to bust the tables? Who's going to work at the loop? Who's going to do all these things? You need the common people. And so we see this play out in scripture as well. Every nation needs honest, hard workers so countries can thrive. Unfortunately, good old-fashioned, honest, hard work is hard to come by nowadays. Many people just don't want to work hard. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to put in the effort. They say it's, it's beneath me. It's beneath you to work hard. It's beneath you to earn an honest check and work 40 hours a week. Like that's, you know, be, ever since Adam, that's how, we, that's how we earn our keep from the sweat of our brow. But nowadays it's just let me click. Let me collect followers. Let me, let me monetize myself. And I'm not knocking it. It is what it is for the younger generation. But there's still a work ethic that needs to be in place. And we can't, we can't substitute that for just the easy street. That's not how life works. And it will be exposed in the end. All right, let's look at the last two verses, 10 through 12. It goes on to say, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eats them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the, is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Okay. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And again, of all the people, Solomon would have understood this because he understood that gathering riches didn't satisfy him. He knew that this was vanity. It was empty. There was, there was no heart in it. it. It was not a way for him to, to, to get gratification, to have identity, to be found in mere material things. If anything is worse than the uh, addiction money brings, it's the emptiness it leaves you. Again, everything that's not of God loses its luster so quick. And then you have to fill up on it again and again and again. It's like the alcoholic that has to get another drink, even though they're killing themselves and they're dying slowly. They need another drink so quick because it loses its luster quick. The person who's getting high, the person who watches pornography, the person who who's running around, um, you know, uh, doing things that are not right. They, 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 it, it loses its luster so quick that they have to continue to act over and over again, only to be caught in that same vicious, unhealthy cycle. Here's another headline from this week. FTX founder Sam, Sam Bankman Fried, or Freed, however you want to say it, was found guilty on Thursday of stealing from customers of his now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange in one of the biggest financial frauds on record. A verdict that cemented the 31-year-old former billionaire's fall from grace. The article goes on to say a 12-member jury in Manhattan federal court convicted Bankman Fried Freed on all seven accounts. Uh, on sev- all seven counts he faced after a month-long trial in which prosecutors made the case that he looted eight billion dollars from the exchange's users out of sure greed. Bro, what are you thinking, dude? $8 billion to have the audacity to think that you were just going to do it and walk away. You see how, unfortunately, that individual's heart's not checked. His mind's not right. There's no restraint. 
What would possess you to do that? Amen. You see, humans, we have all been created with eternity in our hearts. Our souls need better nourishment than material possessions. We need to be filled with the joy, the peace, and the love that comes from having a personal relationship with our creator who is Jesus Christ. That's what will fulfill you. You can win all the Super Bowls. And I'm not knocking Tom Brady. He did what he did. I guarantee you those Super Bowl rings ain't fulfilling that man. Even his estranged wife and children are not fulfilling him. It has to come from God. A personal relationship. We are to use money as a means and not an end or ends in and of itself. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 and 11 tell us, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I've already said this, but I'll say it again. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. You see right there? You see that right there? We are to pursue the things of the Spirit of God, not of the flesh. The Bible is clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and everything else that you need will be added onto you. we got to get this deep down in our souls, church. Seek God first. Don't trip off the money. Your mortgage is going to be paid. Everything's going to be paid for. The bills are going to be paid for. Your rent's going to be paid for. Stop stressing off of that and start putting time in your relationship with God and you'll see God move. If you want to see God move, you've got to draw near to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Many times we're not experiencing the, 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 the greatness of God because we're not pursuing him. He's not the number one concern of our lives. We're concerned with all this other stuff. And we're not giving him the time that's due to him that he deserves. He created you, not the NFL. He created you, not uh, Magnolia Kitchen or whatever. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. I got nothing against them. I know they're Christians, Joanna Gaines and, and, her, and her husband. Nah, you know, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, keep it real. We keep it real, man. Give God his due time. The irrefutable law of first fruits. It's not just meant for crops. It's not just meant for money. It's meant for your time. It's meant for your time. Why can't we start our day on our knees? Why can't we set aside a block of 10, 15 minutes and either be in prayer or be in the word? Why? And then we wonder why things aren't going well. It's irrefutable. If you give God the first portion of your day, the rest of your day, you're going to have the right perspective. Your trajectory is going to be on point. It's not me. It's what the Bible says. When you don't do that and you wait and try to fit God in whenever you can, well, there you go. You're showing God what's important. And don't say, I don't have time. Make time. That's an excuse. That's spiritual laziness. Make time. I get up at 5 a.m. every morning. Except on Saturdays, I get up at 6. 
I get up at five so I can have that time with the Lord. I was doing that 13 years ago before I even, I didn't even, you know, when I first started walking with the Lord again. So don't say it's because you're the pastor. No, absolutely not. I was doing this when I was single at home with my mom, getting up at 5 a.m. every morning. And, and you might think that's legalistic. It's not. If you do not have some kind of, of structure, what are you doing? <laughs> you have to have some form of system of how you're going to get through the day. So, so test the Lord. That's what he says. Test, the, test me and see that I'm good. Give me the first fruits of your day and see that I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you beyond what you could ever even imagine. But if you don't put yourself there and say, I'm going to do it for my own benefit because I know that the Lord's going to bless me, then you're going to stay where you're at. If you're tired of being where you're at, make changes. I'm so serious about this church. I'm not playing right now, man. This is so real. Preach it, brother. (laughs) Look at how backwards our world is. Have you ever heard of healthy wager? I'm going back to the whole thing about loving money. Have you ever heard of healthy wager? (laughs) They actually pay you to lose weight. (laughs) They will pay you to lose your weight. I mean, if you're not motivated by simply living a healthy life and wanting your weight to be managed and you need to get paid to lose weight, what are you doing? You, you won't manage your diet so you can be healthy and strong for the Lord yourself, but you'll say, I, I'll, I'll lose the weight because you're going to pay me money to lose weight. Again, loving money is such a horrible thing. The application is this, church. A day without prayer is a day without blessing. And a life without prayer is a life without power. This is why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. You see, church, if we are diligent and watching over our hearts, we will recognize when we are being led down the wrong road misusing money or anything else. Many of us, unfortunately, live from the outside rather than from the inside out. We are aware of what people say about us on social media and how we look to the world, but we don't even know what's happening within our own hearts and our own minds. We are out of touch with what the Spirit of God is doing inside of us, causing us to lack the discernment that we need in order to overcome. Do you know that the Bible says that you're an overcomer in Christ? Go back to what I was first saying at the beginning of this sermon. Get your identity from the word of God because the word of God tells you who you are, not the media, not your homeboys, not the people in the neighborhood, not your boss, but the word of God tells you who you are in Christ. To overcome We must be conscious of what's going on in our minds. You see, thoughts of worry, thoughts of fear and other things that are not rooted in the truth can begin to control us if we don't do not take authority over them. And you cannot take authority over something that you do not realize is operating in your life. That's why we have to be cognizant of what's going on. We have to put in effort. We have to be thinking about what's going on. You have to. You cannot be on autopilot, church. Not as a Christian, 
As a non-believer, you can be as, as, as oblivious as you want to be, but as a Christian, you better be on point. You better ask the Lord to give you discernment so that you can figure out, okay, I'm navigating these waters. I'm doing the right thing. Oh, no, I'm kind of slipping away. I better get back on track. It happens for all of us. This is why you and I must watch over our hearts and our thoughts. When you recognize that something in your heart or in your thinking is not in line with the truth or not pleasing to God, you must address it immediately before it has a chance to do further damage. You have to address it immediately. You have to. You you don't have time to be like, I'll I'll address it later tonight. No. When the unclean, when the impure thought comes in, you got to recognize it, recognize it's not from the Holy Spirit and rebuke it immediately. You not only do you have to rebuke it, you have to replace it with scripture. Again, you have to be in the word of God daily. You have to be. If you're in the word of God daily, I guarantee you, you're going to grow leaps and bounds. There's no limit to what the Lord's going to pour into your life. But when you don't spend time in God's word, you're, you're, you're suffocating your spiritual life. You're choking yourself out. You're putting a noose around your neck spiritually and you're killing yourself by not reading God's word. An example of this is, have you ever dealt with weeds in your lawn? I'm sure many of you have. <laughs> if you don't pull them out all the way, and you let them begin to grow, they start to spread. And what do they do? They start destroying the healthy plants. They start destroying everything around them. You see, ungodly thoughts and beliefs are the same way. If you and I let them go unchecked, they will continue to grow and choke out more and more of the truth that you have already received until you can barely remember how deeply the Father loves you. Then the enemy's lies will begin to resonate as truth. And when you come into agreement with the enemy, believing his lies that he tells you, you give him authority to control you with fear, hopelessness, and despair. Saints, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to what's going on in the innermost being of your soul every day that you live. Notice what you're thinking about. When you see yourself going down a path that is not of God, stop and confess your sins right there and get right with the Lord. If you ask God to help you change your attitude and thoughts, he will bring your heart into harmony with himself. He'll do it. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He cares for you. He saved your soul by the blood of his son, Jesus. You think he's not going to change your heart and change your thoughts and change your mind? But you got to ask him and you got to be serious about it. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and break into our hearts and break into our thoughts and bring them into order so our lives can be pleasing to God. We need him to make us sensitive to what we are thinking and feeling so that we will not give in to the enemy and give him a foothold in our lives. You see, we need to desire the meditations of our hearts that would be acceptable in God's sight, that he alone is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Church, do you understand that you got to hide God's word in your heart? 
For the many people that are in Israel right now, for the many people that are dying, for the many people that are even in China and other places of the world that are facing serious oppression where they can't have a Bible, you better hide the scripture in your heart. When they come knocking at your door and saying, you can't have this anymore, you better have spent enough time in this word on a daily basis that you got the word of God in your heart. Because when they take these away, all you're going to have to lean on is the word of God hidden in your heart. Not my testimony, not Betty Britton's, not Gracie's, not Daniel's, not Mark's, not even your own. You're only going to have the word of God to lean on. What are you hiding in your heart, church? This is not legalistic. I'm, I'm trying to tell you the importance of being in God's word so that the Holy Spirit can bring to remembrance on a dime what you need, when you need it, how you need it in that time. Because I need to know what I need to know when God tells me I need to know it. <laughs> and I'm not going to know it if I'm not in God's word daily. And the same thing is for you. So get in the habit of spending rich time. It's not going to be a bore. It's not going to be a drag. You're going to love it. You're going to love him. He's going to reveal to you revelation that you've never understood. And it comes from him. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from another brother or sister. It comes straight from him because it's your private time with the Lord. And those are the richest times of your life. Because you just, it just confirms, yes, you're real. You love me. Gosh, Lord, you're showing me this. I understand now. I didn't understand now. I know it. And he's like, yes, child, I love you. I love you so much that I want you to understand what I have for you. That's why we went through the book of Revelation whenever we did it a year ago or whatever. Because he wants to reveal to us the truth so we know what we're heading into. So we're not afraid. So we're not ashamed. So we can say, no, I'm going to stand on the rock of Christ. doesn't matter what all this stuff's going on. We're going to make it. We're going to stand strong. And I'm not going to flinch in the sight of opposition. Man. This will keep us from abusing money. That's the whole point. <laughs> money and authority and not abusing it. This, th- th- this whole keeping our thoughts and our minds in check will keep us from abusing money and authority in the first place. Last portion of scripture in the Michelle and Isaiah can come up. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners? Solomon knew that one's net worth increased. So, so did one's expenses and the expectation of others. The next uh, portion says the sleep of the laborer, laboring man is sweet. The abundance of the rich will not prohibit him to sleep. The laboring person has so much less to worry about. The Bible says live a a quiet, peaceful life. (laughs) Live a quiet, peaceful life. You don't need to be brash. You don't need to be out there exposing yourself all crazy, drawing unwanted attention to yourself. Live a calm, quiet, peaceful life. Be grateful for your lot in life and enjoy it and have sound sleep at night. Live a simple life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 down through 24. Michelle Michelle and Isaiah can come up because I'm closing now. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be a life for your soul and adornment for your neck. They will walk you then you will walk um, on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, you will sleep. Your sleep will be sweet. Don't you want to lie down and not be afraid? You know, it's horrible to go to bed and be afraid. Isn't it horrible to go to bed and you're afraid of something? You've got some fear on your heart, on your mind, and it hasn't been dealt with. And you're trying to sleep and you don't have peace and you don't have sleep. He says, keep sound wisdom and discretion. 
And he said, they're going to be life to your soul. (laughs) He said, you're going to be able to lie down and not be afraid. And when you lie down, you'll have sweet sleep. You see, the rich man has greater worries and less sleep. Today, may we live from the inside out, not focused on external things to bring us peace, happiness, and joy, but rather focus on Jesus Christ, who is eternal. Remember to keep your eyes of your heart fixed on Christ. That means daily studying God's word, talking and listening to the Lord throughout the day, living a lifestyle that is consecrated and set apart to God alone, being a blessing to everyone around you, focusing on the things that are above and not on the things that are below. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Your word has gone forth. Lord, would you do a mighty work with what you have? You are all-knowing, everlasting, and eternal. You have no opposition. You have no rival. Father, I thank you that we can put all of our trust and our hope in you. Father, now I just pray that your anointing would be upon your people. Bless them for their attentiveness. And would you do a mighty work within their innermost being. And may they come to reap the benefits of knowing you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and love you. I pray this in your son, Yeshua's precious name. Amen.